Right. Today, I want to deal with a, uh, uh, an issue based on this parable, which all of us are very familiar with, and the parable of the prodigal son. You'll find it in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. Okay. So, um, what is it all about? Uh, this is a famous painting of this, uh, from the scene of the parable. Uh, when the prodigal son has just returned and you can see there that the father is hugging the uh, prodigal son and you can see the elder brother on the right hand side. Uh, he is looking on and, and uh, uh, what are his thoughts going on there? And the question is, what are our thoughts on this, right? Uh, we uh, we were Christians first and then most of us, we joined uh, CBMC and then we started studying the business from the perspective of the Bible and Christianity, right? So uh, we as, as Christians, first of all, our first identification, our, uh, our uh, relationship is with the prodigal son, right? We relate very easily with the prodigal son. We know that, okay, that God in his grace, he has accepted us as his children and uh, we are the prodigal son uh, and God is the father and we are back in his house. And not only has he accepted us, but uh, he has, um, you know, um, uh, uh, brought us back as children, as sons, not as slaves, just like the prodigal son, right? But in this parable, in this scene, if we are true to our CBMC um, and uh, the, the theology of work and all that we have studied in our CBMC sessions from the Bible, who are we to relate to really speaking? Okay, now all our theology, everything is based on stewardship, right? Uh, we are business people and professionals. We are expected to be good stewards and of, of the resources that God has given us. And in this scene, who is that good steward? It's obviously the elder brother, right? So from a CBMC perspective, from a theology of work perspective, POW, uh, from a business identity, we must really speaking, identify, we must relate with the elder son who was the good steward, right? But we feel uh, obviously a sense of disconnect here, right? Uh, we know that uh, this doesn't turn out well. We don't really want to identify with the elder son. We know that there is a problem with being merely a good steward. Right, But yet what we see is that all our training and all our teaching and everything is based on this good stewardship. So how do we reconcile right, between our uh, thought, our, uh, our uh, core identity as the prodigal son of grace and of receiving grace and of sonship uh, with being a good steward? Right. So in this session, uh, I want to put down some thoughts. Uh, obviously, it's it's a big, big uh, issue and uh, we can't deal with everything. But uh, I want to 
uh, put down some thoughts so that we can get at least a beginning, a toehold, and then uh, 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 maybe in a more, um, you know, uh, in a personal way of study, you can think about some of these things which I put on the table. Okay. Right. So, why are we really so ashamed of the elder son, right? To be a good steward from this, uh, from this perspective, right? So, there are three columns here in this slide. On the left hand side, I have um, literally picked out the words from the elder son's uh, response to his father, right? He is talking to his father in Luke 15, verses 28 to 30. So look at the first two. He says, so many years I have been serving you. I have never neglected a command, right? I mean, this is really good. I mean, this is what we are taught, right? I mean, we have to serve God. We are not to neglect a command. Right? So he was a very good steward. Right? He was responsible. He was very obedient. Isn't it? Uh, and on the third column here, I put down some of my thoughts on this. Right? Uh, from the perspective at the end, we know the end, of course, of the story. So from the perspective of the end, what seems to emerge here is all about my performance. Right? I have been serving you. I have never neglected. Right? There is something of the self-righteous which is coming out here. Right? Okay. Secondly, uh, going back to his response, he says, this son of yours has devoured your wealth with prostitutes. And then he says, you killed the fattened calf for me. Right? So what is his attention turning to? He immediately starts accusing others. Right? In the first um, row, what we saw was it was about himself. I, I. And now he says, you, you. And he is accusing others. He is accusing the brother of being a bad steward. Right? And he was perfectly right. Isn't it? I mean, the brother was a bad steward. And he's accusing his father and he's saying, you reward a loser. He has lost all your wealth and now you are rewarding him. Right? You killed the fighting calf for him. Again, from a technical perspective, was he right? Yes, he was absolutely right. The brother was a loser. And the father was, in some sort of way, he was rewarding him here, right, from his perspective. So he, from a technical perspective, he was perfectly right everywhere, right? But then again, as we see from uh, his character, what we can see is that, right, on his own, he doesn't have any contentment. There is a comparative spirit saying, okay, I've been a good steward. He was not. You reward him. You never rewarded me. Right. So, uh, I mean, so in this case, what we see is that uh, he's almost looking at how can he receive grace when I have worked so hard and I have done so well. Right. Thirdly, let's see the third row. We see that he's not willing to go into the house. Right. And then he says that you have never given me a young goat. And he became very angry. So what we see here is that he's been trying to earn the father's favor, right? He has not really understood who he is, right? He says, you've never given me a young goat, right? He doesn't know that it all belongs to him, right? As we will see later, right? He's trying to earn the father's favor and he doesn't really understand his 
place his relationship in the house, right? He may technically, again, technically he may know that yes, I am the son and he's a father, but really speaking, in substance, it's not working out in this life, right? And I think you know, it comes down to his understanding of being in a works righteousness situation. I have to be a good steward. I have to work hard. I have to follow commands. I have to serve. Like he has been taught all these things as a child, but the problem is that he has never grown out of his childhood into maturity, right? Resulting in resentment, right? Jealousy, right? Um, he doesn't understand grace, forgiveness, right? And this kind of works righteousness is what can poison every single thing that we do, right? And stewardship, really, what we see is purely based on stewardship, we cannot, you know, uh, run businesses uh, and in our profession uh, with this uh, theology based purely on stewardship. We have to look at something more robust, something bigger, right? So, what does it all mean, right? So, this eldest son is really expressing his emotions through all these responses, right? This is the first time probably in his life that he has faced up to this kind of a situation where um, his, uh, his um, you know, very uh, identity, his uh, maturity is coming into play here, right? He has been in his father's house for years and years, doing everything perfectly and everything has been going according to clockwork. But right now, all that is being challenged and all he can think of in his emotions is, what are my rights, right? So this is where we end, right? When we pursue everything that we do in business, in profession, right? Purely from a stewardship perspective, it ends up in uh, understanding of uh, my rights uh, are being violated. Um, justice is not being done. Right, I have a problem here. Right, so what is it that we can do in order to get uh, out of this? Right, and that is where we have to look at what uh, uh, you know the father, uh, the father's response is in this uh, parable, and uh, how uh, we can get out of this identity and how we can have a bigger and fuller picture, right? So what we've seen is the standard belief, the steward belief, it builds up our natural performance identity, right? Performance identity is fundamental to our nature, right? We are brought, born and brought up in that kind of thing, right? From childhood, because as a child, you are taught to obey. You are told, obey, do this, be a good child. If you um, eat all your vegetables, you will get ice cream, right? If you study hard, then you will progress, right? Everything is based on performance, right? So to get out of that into our identity as the prodigal son, as a son, it's very, very difficult. And it is uh, anathema to our new identity in Jesus Christ. So let's do a quick comparison of what has happened what happens to the good steward's son on the left side and the prodigal son on the right hand side, right? So what was the good steward 
son's, the eldest son's inheritance. He got 100% of the net worth of his father. Right? Remember that the prodigal son took all the father's wealth and went and spent it away. So whatever was remaining with the father, it all was the eldest son's um, inheritance. Every net worth, all the property, everything. Right? But what we saw in the last slide was that he refused to go in with his father. His relationship with the father was cut off. He received 0% of his father's love, his presence, his intellectual property, his personal capital, mentorship, everything he lost with the relationship. Right? So the performance identity kept him from developing that relationship with the father. He gained the whole world, right? As Mark 836 says, uh, he gained the whole world, but he forfeited his soul, his very, um, his very being, his identity, right? And what is his profit? That's the question which uh, the apostle asks in Mark. Then what about the prodigal son? On the other hand, he received nothing, right? When he came back to his father, he said, I want to be just a slave, your servant. But his father said, you're going to be my son. What did it mean really? Was he going to get the father's property? No, everything belonged to the elder son. So he got 0% of the father's network. But he got 100% of the father's love, right? That is not anything that anyone can hold back, right? His father's love, his presence, the father's intellectual property, his personal capital, mentorship, everything, right? Imagine now, I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us, but Imagine what would have happened to the prodigal son after this. Obviously, he didn't have any money, right? But he had his father's love and presence with him and he mentored him. His father would have mentored him and said, okay, come, I will put you back on your feet, right? He might have got, got him started off in some job or maybe he might have advanced him some money. He set up a business, he would have mentored him, he would have used his personal capital to network with people, get him started off, right? And I'm sure the prodigal son would have got back on his feet, right? So when he gets the father, he gets everything else, right? But the, the eldest son, the good steward, when he didn't get the father, he got all the world, but I mean, there's nothing else, right? So he, the, the prodigal son lost the whole world, but gained his soul, right? As the Bible says in Psalm 37, 24, he talks about the good man who trusts in the Lord, Right? Even when he falls, he will not be hurled headlong because it's the Lord who holds him by his hand. Okay. Now, how do we go counter to this? As we saw, it is because of our emotional response, all that we have been taught over our childhood that we are holding on to this performance identity. Right? So we have to get out of this by receiving God's promises, his word, his truth, that has to triumph over the emotions that are overwhelming us, his grace, right, as the, as the word of God says in John, right, um, grace has come through Jesus Christ and now we have been received by him as sons, all those who believe in Jesus Christ and the spirit itself testifies that we are heirs, right, God says that we are his heirs, if we are children, we are heirs. And therefore, we are co-heirs, fellow heirs with Jesus Christ of his kingdom, right? And the Bible says that the gifts and the calling of God, they are irrevocable, 
right? We are all professionals and business people, and we know what this word irrevocable means, right? When you open an LC, a letter of credit, you know what it means, irrevocable. It's gone. It's out of your hands forever, right? The money is out. It's now as good as in the other guy's hands, as long as he fulfills uh, his part of the LC, um, you know, condition, right? God has given us these gifts, right? Every gift that he gives us, the business, the talents, and everything that he gives us is irrevocable. He will never take it back, right? So what do we do with it? So now let's deal with some of the some basic issues, what we can do today to get out of this, right? What it means for us today, right? So the first thing is we need to get out of this stewardship and performance-based identity, okay? What are the immediate issues, right? So all of us can identify with the prodigal son. We all have made bad decisions. We have booked up, right? We have failed and we feel that guilt and the shame right, of the performance culture, right? And especially in these times when we face these unprecedented economic situation and everything, right? And we see failures everywhere. We can also be failing, right? And we feel the guilt and shame as why, why is it that though I am God's son and he is the one who has blessed me, how is it that I'm failing here, right? And even if we are prospering, there are many of us who prosper even in these good times, uh, in these bad times, uh, you might feel the guilt and the shame, saying that, oh, how is it that I'm prospering when everyone else is struggling? I can see all around me, right? How do we um, get out of this guilt and shame, this resentment and bitterness, right? Why is it that I have been, uh, you know, I'm uh, losing while others are getting rewarded or they prosper, right? So I think what we need to uh, 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 get our minds around is to understand that uh, God is telling us that, look, everything in this earth is going to perish. In uh, in my plans, uh, this world, this earth is going to perish and I'm preparing my kingdom, right? All these businesses and everything that we have uh, are sandboxes where we are being trained as interns to prepare for my kingdom, right? Uh, we have to have this perspective that these are all the things that we have today are um, being used by God to prepare us for his kingdom and he assures us and tells us that look whatever be the case whatever be the situation you are always going to be my son and I'm going to build you right uh, take my mentorship and come and I will build you now you might say okay fine um, he's, but he's not like a father of the prodigal son who was there to be there for him. And that's what God again says, right? The New Testament is full of one another's, right? Jesus keeps on saying, love one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, build up one another. There are some uh, 26, uh, I believe there are some 26 kinds of one another's in the New Testament, right? So what God is saying is that, look, I have gone away, but I have sent you my Holy Spirit, and I am bringing you together in fellowship as one body of Christ on the earth. You are there, you are supposed to be there for one another, right? Um, yes, someone might have failed, 
somewhat better dissipated their resources, their resources. But when he is the prodigal son and will you come back to me, will you not love him? Will you not forgive him? Will you not bear his burdens? Will you not build him up? Right? So he's calling us in these difficult times to be there for one another and build each other up with our intellectual property, with our personal capital in whatever way we can so that we are built up. Right? So this is one thing which God is calling us to do immediately, putting away our stewardship and performance-based identity. Right? We are not to be jealous of one another. We are not to look at one another and say, look, oh, he is prospering or I am uh, prospering and he is, uh, you know, facing uh, troubles. Right? We are supposed to be people of the family of God, loving one another. Secondly, we need to answer the longer term questions which I raised earlier, right? That is, uh, our theology itself is uh, incomplete, right? What does it practically mean for our business, right? When we are uh, supposed to be sons and heirs, right? We can't just look at our business and say, okay, I'm just a manager, right? Because then we end up in all kinds of, uh, you know, wrong thinking, right? What does it mean for me to be a co-owner with God? not just a steward, right? So we need to build a more fully of theology, right? In which our identity as son and heir is the defining identity and within which everything else fits, right? So this is my last slide. I've put together a, a, a kind of a model in which you can see there are three layers, three rows. At the bottom is the simple slave or child mentality which you can call in our business language as a worker mentality. Our focus is completely and totally on God's laws and regulations and all we are looking at is compliance. Am I doing what he has told me to do? And the accountability is how well have you obeyed? And what are we looking for? We are looking for God's blessings, right? But when we become older, hopefully a little bit more mature, uh, we then start beginning to understand, okay, I am a good steward, a manager, right, in today's language. Right, and our focus is on what God, God's objectives and directives are to me. How am I to use my wealth? How am I to use my business in a more responsible way to accomplish things for God? Right, that's our work for us. How can we be responsible citizens of the kingdom? Use the resources of my business responsibly to accomplish things. Right, and our accountability is in terms of results achieved and the question of what can be done for God. Right? And the reward we're looking at is recognition and promotion, more, right? And uh, the Bible talks about it also, right? When you do well with five talents, you're given ten talents. But at the highest level, when we reach the true maturity, is when we start beginning to understand that we are actually sons and heirs. We are co-owners together with God. And our focus then has to be our father's heart, mind, and character, right? He is our business partner. And we are looking, and he's a senior one. He's the one, right, to whom we are looking at as to what is he doing in his kingdom, right? What is his heart and mind character, right? And the work ethos has to be what is the shared vision that he is working toward? And uh, what is he building me up to be? And let me look at others' needs, right? I am no longer just a responsible man. I have a shared vision with God, my Father. And while I'm being built up, let me look at others' needs. And our accountability is not coming from, you know, whether the obedience or the results, 
but by a shared life with him. Right? We live life with him in fellowship with him. We are in constant communion with him, in prayer and communion and through his word with him. And there's a constant up and down with him, right? Going uh, forth and back with him, right? By which we are being built up. And finally, what is our reward? Our reward is finally going to be life and love of our bridegroom Jesus and the Father in his kingdom, right? And that's the vision that we are being called to. And that is what we need to go towards, right? So the question is, how do we extrapolate and look at our businesses within this framework of being sons and heirs? And I think, uh, I believe that to you, to think about it, I think what we should do is we should look at how God uh, has created institutions for us on this earth. For example, he created the institution of family, so that we understand what is the love of a father and a son, father and children, right? And that's the father's heart and mind and character, right? And that's the same with marriage, for example. So then we must ask ourselves, what about business? Right? That's an institution, business and entrepreneurship. But God didn't create that, isn't it? We created that uh, in response to the fall because of the economic conditions, uh, shortages. Uh, but then when we create something, we again create something which is uh, in the image of God because we ourselves are made in the image of God. So we need to start thinking, uh, what is it that business is all about from this perspective of the father's heart, mind and character and of us being his sons and heirs. So let's close with a word of prayer, shall we? Our loving Heavenly Father, uh, we give thanks to you, Father, that you have called us into your kingdom as your sons and your heirs. But Lord, that you shed your blood, Lord Jesus, on the cross so that we may partake of your benefits, you the firstborn, so that along with you we may be more sons to bring glory to our Father. And we pray that today you will, Lord, heal us of all the guilt and shame and everything that we might be going through, even as we struggle with uh, our uh, responsible attitudes of running businesses as good stewards and doing things for you. We pray that you will cleanse us of all the guilt and shame and help us to come with the glorious freedom of sons of the living God in deep communion with you, walking with you, and looking at people's needs and building ourselves up and building others up. And we pray that you will help us uh, to build uh, uh, this kind of a relationship with you and get out of all that false things for the world and the future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.